Gig Gab, episode 128 for Monday, August 21st, 2017. <music> Greetings, folks, and welcome to Gig Gab, the podcast by, for, and about working musicians here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Las Gatas, California, Paul Kent. How you doing, Mr. Kent? I'm good, Dr. Hamilton. It's good to talk to you again. <laughs> it's good to talk to you again. <laughs> uh, it has been a crazy week. You know, we did this show last week, and then I went Im- basically immediately from here and went to the first rehearsal for uh, that show I did called Spring Awakening last week. Um, we had and, and the show is now over. So I, I've gone through the entire process of rehearsing the show, learning it, playing it, and loading my drums out of the out of this theater. <laughs> All done. And um, it was interesting. There were actually a couple of interesting things about it. The first was that I never practiced this show. I got the book too late, didn't have any time. And, um, and it was, th- thankfully, and I knew the show wasn't overly difficult, but it was interesting. And the bass player was in the, I think the, actually the bass player and the guitar player were in the same boat. But, um, but you know, everybody was a pro and it, you never would have known if you didn't hear us talk about it. It was, it was a, a good exercise in, in a, in jointly sight reading something, um, which was interesting, but you know, it worked out. It's cool. Do you only place a kit or do you ever have called to play like pure percussion in these shows? I, this show was, was all just kit, but. A lot of times I'll be playing like triangle and, and, you know, vibra slap and even sometimes like glockenspiel or, or whatever parts. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on what the show calls for and, mm. and, you know, and, and then how the, how the music director sort of sees it. It's, there's, there's always some level of it left up to the interpretation of both the director for the stage stuff and the music director for, you know, both the band and then vocal harmonies and, and that sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, it worked out. The, actually, the guitar player on this, uh, was I think he played for about six months in Rock of Ages on Broadway. Ooh. Yeah, so it was, a, and it's the second show I've done with him. He's a, he's a, you know, he's a machine. He shows up, he reads, he plays, and he, he. But the thing is, he's like a real rock guitar player that also has the ability to read. So he's, I've played with guys that are like theater guitar players, and nothing against them, but like they would never survive on a rock stage. You know, like, like there's that, that sensibility of, of playing a rock gig is a different thing than doing a theater gig. So he and I are sort of like-minded. We, we live in both worlds and that's, it's a, it's a pleasure. That's cool. Yeah. Those guys are just read down and you get the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. Not the spirit. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the most interesting thing about it was I kept asking like, who's our music director? Who's the keyboard player? Cause I was a little worried that that job was going to fall to me and they said, "Oh yeah, he's a young guy, but but you know he just tracked that same show for another theater, so he really knows it, and it's going to be fine." I'm like, okay, and these are people that I've I've worked with before that I, that were kind of giving me this very nebulous answer. So I went into that first rehearsal a little bit, you know, a little bit anxious about what this was going to be like, and then I met the music director, who is a rising senior at a local high school, and I thought, "Oh no, oh no!" But I tell you what. 
by the middle of the first song, it was obvious he had complete command of everything that was going to go on. He was, he is turned, it turns out that he is one of the best music directors I've ever worked with. Oh my gosh. Yep. Uh, yeah. Which is really impressive. How did he, how did he handle older musicians? Just totally. like competency? Yeah. Yeah. He was, I mean, he just, you know, he, he never showed any weakness. I mean, it, it, you know, we all got, actually, we all got along really well. In fact, I would love to play with, with that exact band again. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, he just, he was competent. He could hang is really what it came down to. And, and, you know, we didn't come in like, I, I, I like I said, I came in anxious cause I just didn't know, but it wasn't like I was rooting for him to fail. In fact, every part of me was rooting for him to succeed so that I didn't have to take over any of those jobs. And, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, so but actually, there's a universe truth there, right? What's that? There's a universal truth in that, right? So bands really are almost the ultimate meritocracy. If you can hang, you can hang. You can hang. That's it. And he can totally hang like no problem and yeah. got along and, you know, good guy, really, really good guy. So, yeah, it was it was very interesting to uh, to, you know, to go through that. Uh, process but you know by the end of it we were we were locked in we actually had really some really nice moments too it was a fun show easy relatively easy show rock and roll you know so that makes that makes life easier so i had something interesting to bring up to you so i i'm gonna i'm gonna pause this for a second just because skype is fighting us again paul we're gonna see where we get here skype all right let's see where we are how's that paul is that better i can hear you oh it's like a different thing yeah man all right, so here's what I'm thinking. Yep. A conversation about the translation from, you know, a great song, cover song that you want to cover uh, from a studio version to what do you actually end up putting on stage? Ooh. You know, for me, very, very, very few songs do I take from inspiration from the studio version. I know it from the studio version. But if there's something I want to do, I always go out and look to see how the how the artist covers his own material. Right live but also see what other people have done with it i'm always really interested in bands that uh that cover other people's stuff so pro bands you know that cover other people's materials really interesting to me i don't know if you saw this it was hysterical but there's a cover going around today i think from last weekend of the foo fighters oh what a brilliant move those guys did man. right the ultimate Having, rick roll yeah they, they had rick astley never going to give you up and they actually they did it and it rocked and people loved it i love those types of things and those those things give me a lot of inspiration so so how other people whose styles you are either are aligned with or are very different from yours, how they cover material always informs how I bring a piece of music into my band. What about you? Oh, definitely. You, yeah, there's I mean, there's some bands where the studio version is essentially the band playing live. And, and that's obvious when you listen to it. You're like, OK, I could you know, there's there's nothing other than my my own lack of talent that would stop me from delivering that live and it would work. Right. Yeah. But, but there's so many things that, that are like you said, there's studio tracks. They are the product of a recording studio and there's some really awesome stuff that comes from that, but that often doesn't translate to live, let alone translate to live dance scenario. Right. Which is yet another layer of, you've got to like, that's right. You've got to keep show. things going in your show and all of that stuff. Yeah. 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 So some of the interesting places that I found, uh, you know, this, we do this, um, 
this Beatles medley that came from the Beatles love album, which is, there's so much brilliance in that whole thing. I mean, Brilliant. it's just fantastic. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Your, and your buddy did that, right? Giles did that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he did all those cool. mashups. He did them all, man. It's crazy. crazy. I know it's crazy. Yeah. He's very humble about them, but you know, he won a couple of Grammys for that. So, and, and deservedly so. So, but yeah, but yeah, you guys do the drive my car, the word is love whole thing together, right? Yep. Yeah. And it goes over great and it just meshes together. So wonderful. So, there, you know, there's a, that type of thing, you know, we're just like different incarnations of the stuff you do. Yeah. And there's like, you know, stuff that is just very, and again, this is that guy I like from New Jersey. He reimagines his material all the time and it's, and it's fresh and new often. I mean, the, you know, the. The, well, you know, even his biggest stuff, even even Born to Run and Thunder Road, sometimes he'll play those solo acoustic. Sure. And, and the song transcends. But, you know, there's a lot of different arrangements that he reimagines with his own material. A lot of bands are like that. A lot of bands aren't like that. I mean, a lot of I mean, you know, Rush is an interesting point. If you heard YYZ 20 years ago and heard it on the last time they played it, is it almost note for note the same song? Yeah. But those guys always, they were, they always saw themselves as a live band and barring a few, you know, like a handful of exceptions, everything they did in the studio was built with the idea that it was going to be, or at least could be played live by only the three of them together. Yeah. So, so that, so that's a little bit different, right? Because it's like this this is being built for the stage. We're just going to, you know, work on it in the studio. And like I said, there's right. some, there's some exceptions to that, but for the most part, that was their MO. Yeah. But there's other bands like, you know, like a band like Radiohead, right. Where I, I mean, they, I don't, I, and I don't know enough about Radiohead. So somebody's going to yell at me about this. Uh, but it sounds like they don't really even think about the stage until after they've written and recorded the album that they wanted to do in the studio. And then it's like, yeah. okay, how do we make this work on stage? And then they go figure that part out afterwards. Yeah. The produ they produce music. That's they a, produce. Different yeah. But then the other side of it would be like the fishes and grateful deads and jam bands of the world where, where space to recreate within a, within a general framework is the rule of the day. Right. Yeah. Although fish is, fish is interesting. Um, they, there are songs that, they've recorded one way and play live a completely different way. Uh, but you like, I mean, to your point, they give themselves the freedom to just do that and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, for almost all of the stuff that we do, um, life in the fast lane, I found, you know, when the, one of the Eagles, many farewell tours, they actually put a horn section on stage with them. And so yeah. that informed that, um, I always, am looking for when tower of power horn section has been hired to go on tour with somebody and see what they do to bring alive certain stuff. Oh. Tower of power toured with Huey Lewis. And so some of the Huey Lewis, the news, um, songs that we do are from that tour, yep. uh, tower, you know, I haven't been able to do it yet, but, you know, Spanish Moon with Little Feet is like one of my all time favorites. And, and man, what a great horn line that is. But so that type of thing is like where where did bands add, add horns for tour just to make things different? And this, you know, it really has it opens my eyes to a lot of opportunities. And then also when my favorite horn bands cover things, that's another place. Right. So, you know, I listen to right. Southside Johnny, you know, they they. 
uh, Southside John and the Asbury Jukes, they cover a lot of material over the course of their tours. And so I'll get a bootleg and I'll hear them do something. And, you know, we won't play it note for note like that. But, you know, we took uh, they they covered uh, the Supremes come see about me oh, instead nice. of trying to. Yeah. Instead of trying to be the Supremes, it sounds like a guy band with horns covering it reasonably faithfully in terms of the spirit of the song. But, the, you know, the actual arrangement of the song, uh, you know, is 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 them. They just grip it and rip it. And that's kind of what my band is like. So. That's really smart. I mean, intentionally going and finding, like seeking out when a horn section joins somebody or like knowing what you are and then going, finding other people that, that have that element. And, and, and even though, you know, maybe it's not technically unique that you've got a Huey Lewis tune with, with a horn section, that's, that's unique for most people because they, they're used to the track they hear on the radio. That's just, you know, keyboard horns or whatever that is. Yeah. 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 And then the other thing for us is, you know, are there songs where we can imagine recreating with horns on it? So, you know, we took Boys Are Back in Town. You played that with us, you know, and oh, we yeah, turned into this big, I, w- I don't want to say orchestral, that'll give the wrong meaning of it, but this really punchy, um, lavish horn section, especially, you know, during the middle section that just made the song soar in a whole different way. And that that's kind of cool as well. What do you do? To, to stretch songs like, you know, do you do you come in with an idea and say, hey, guys, I know we've been playing this, but I have an idea to do something differently. You know, where do you get your inspirations for it? What songs have you done this to? What songs have you, you know, organically live turned into something different than they started to with you? How do you kind of deal with this, like, you know, finding unique arrangements that just make it different than just playing the, the song down from, from the standard charter from the original recording. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, with fling, we don't do a ton of that. We do a little bit. Um, and it just, it really, it's, it's, it feels like a pretty organic process where we'll be playing a tune and, and somebody will, somebody will have an idea, uh, to, you know, stretch it out or, or, or we'll introduce a, a new song, and then somebody will say, oh, hey, wait, wait a minute. We can link that like mm. that ends in, you know, in the same key that that the, the, that song that we've been playing for, you know, five years ends in the same key that this one starts in. So this might fit together uh, or or even if it doesn't end in the same key, we can, you know, we can or orchestrate a transition into it like we did. Um, we used to do Tangerine. Uh, by Led Zeppelin. And for whatever reason, neither one of our guitar players learned the guitar solo. Why? I don't know. It's not like it's, you know, overly technically difficult. I guess we just got to a rehearsal and, and nobody had learned it yet. And so we sang the, the, we actually created a three part harmony where we sing the guitar solo, uh, which is, you know, it turns into like this boys choir thing, which is sort of funny. And then it opens up into a, a jam and we transition that into uh, Little Feet's Easy to Slip, which is, an, you know, just an interesting thing to do. Because someone just heard the transition. Yeah, somebody just head. heard it in their head. Yeah. And then we, we wound up doing a similar thing. We'd been playing the Beatles come together for a while and we had an ending and it's it, it's a fine ending, but it, it wasn't one of those that made us, you know, happy. Uh, and we always work on endings in, in Fling like that, you know, just ending every song with a big, you know, rumble or whatever. That's fine, but it's much better to find a little button to put on things that actually draws applause out when you can hit on a punch and and that sort of thing. And so, you know, we never really had come together the way we wanted it. And then we started playing uh, Fish is Free 
And it's it's actually in it's a whole step down from it starts a whole step down from where where come together ends, but it it worked to transition in in kind of that that come together outro. We found a place to do it, and it works really well to tie it all together, and the vibe of the two tunes really works together. And so you know, it's just those types of things. We're always always just thinking about it. Yeah, and yeah. again, when you tell these stories, it always strikes me that I can't think of where a band like yours would play here right so a band that's just a really good cover band but really going out in into the outer reaches for some of their for the cover material you know things here there are dance clubs right there are festivals and concert series and but even those are really cover band you know when they want to when they want to grow them and get bigger numbers of people there they want dance music and so you know, I'm trying to think about who would be a band and I, none, none come to mind that would be a cover band, but a cover band going out into fish and yes and rush and Zeppelin and that type of thing that works regularly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, it, it's just so interesting how the scenes are. So well, different. remember that that fling is not tr- just a cover band, right? There are gigs where we'll do, you know, half or sometimes even more than half originals. Right. So it's very much a, you know, you're coming to see fling and, and we've got, you know, kind of a little group of people that, that will, that want to come see fling and and will come out and do that. So, and it depends, right. We can play a hundred percent covers and we've done that where we need to play, you know, a party or whatever. If we're hired to do that, we can certainly do it. But, um, and then we, we would probably avoid things like, like free, uh, we might do tangerine to easy to slip. Although that's that, that, that too, the interesting thing about all these songs is on paper, they don't sound like the songs that you'd want to hear, right? Like if, if you saw a list and, <laughs> and they contained all these songs, you'd be like, I don't want to hire that band, right? <laughs> no, well, I mean, not for my party where I want everybody up like dancing and into like the band all night. You're not just looking for wallpaper music on, you know, uh, off to the side, but we've learned and, and and it requires sort of going through songs and letting some just fall off the radar and that's fine. But we've learned that there are many ways to impress people and get their attention. And it doesn't always have to be with a song that they knew walking in the door. Um, and, and we've, we've actually gotten pretty good at being self-aware, uh, finding those things like the, uh, our, Bass player brought in, he thought it was a Little Feet tune because they had covered it, but it's actually another fish tune. We do two free. And then this one that he brought in called Sample in a Jar uh, that most people have never heard before. It, you know, it's, I mean, it, the, the, any fish fan has and they always go. There's always one in the club and they just go nuts, you know, uh, but otherwise people don't know it. But it's a fairly catchy tune and we play the hell out of it. I mean, it just it it happens to fit with exactly it's, it's it's our wheelhouse and our, and it's actually Burke, our bass player who, who brought that one in. He tends to have the this uncanny ability to identify these what I what I would call fringe tunes like I never would have suggested sample in a jar for this band. But when he did, I thought, well, sure, I'll happily I, I don't have to learn it. I already know it. So, sure. Why not? Uh but it, yeah, it like you just got to find those, but you have to be just as willing to try them and not be overly emotionally connected to it. Like, mm. because our, our philosophy is if we're, if we've got some obscure cover uh, and we're not absolutely killing it, there's no reason to include that in the set when we could 
also or instead include one of our originals? Well, you know, that's so interesting. So I'm, I'm actually having this conversation right now. So um, the concert series that I do, we've had a string of amazing bands, another one just yesterday. Yep. And, you know, the lesson, and these are all pro bands that charge a pretty penny, you know, for their, for their corporate and their casuals. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking about what is the formula? What is the, what is the thing amongst them? Now they can all play, but there's lots of people who can play, right? but they don't, they don't mess around with repertoire. I mean, they, you know, literally from the first song, to the last song, you know, the words to every one of these songs. And that's like we were saying last week, right? Where you're just choosing songs that people know, and there's no question. It like it's just going to be they're going to be hits. Frankly, whether or not you play them great or just okay, right? Because <laughs> you're picking the right songs, and and that's well, one formula. Well, 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 it's one formula. But let me just say this: um, you know, there's that conversation. I guess every band does it that says, "Why would we want to be like every other band and play the same songs?" And you know, and why why don't we want to stretch? And why don't we find the things that make us different? Right. Versus the this is money. This is the money songs. This is what keeps your band working and gets, you know, and if you do them in a, in a, in a, you know, elevated way, like you're really good. Like the band yesterday had four great singers. And so, you know, to be real, I think it was Pointer Sisters, you know, in, in perfect four part harmony, two women and two men was just beautiful. And so, you know, they're, they're taking a money song, but they're really, adding a layer of, you know, sonic pleasure to it that, sure. that makes a huge difference to it. But my point is, is that this is the kind of conversation we're having is like, why would you want to play the songs that everybody else is playing or from the same pool of songs that everybody else is playing versus you should see my fastball. I'm going to go find an obscure song that's really going to delight people. Yep. And I think, I think that there's like this fantasy that you could, that a band can find, you know, a lot of that stuff and, and, and still be great you know, in terms of working, you know, and I, I actually def- don't know that that's true. I think, no, I don't think that's true. I think, I think you can get away with some of that. And again, the, 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 the number that equates to some is directly proportional to how many gigs like that you want to get. And, yeah. you know, that, like totally. Yeah. You know, to some, degree, I, but which the way that you ended your statement before, like for effort in for return out, is there something that is better, right? So if something's not working and whatever you come up with a criteria for not working, does do people walk off the dance floor? Does it get tepid response when you play it? You know, whatever your, whatever your subjective. Yeah. Um, yeah whatever your metric is. is. Yeah. Put something better in there. You know, that's, right. that, that's kind of my point. So, right. you know, it may, maybe it doesn't have to be sweet home Alabama again, but, but there are a lot of songs out there that have been hits. If you take top 40 for the past 50 years, there's a lot of interesting material that's out there. And, you know, or if you want to take vertically your favorite band and go deeper into their, into their catalog and the stuff that is, you know, known, but maybe never was a, a you know, a huge hit, yep. you know, I guess I'm just getting a lot more, not conservative. I'm just getting more like, I want my, I want to, I want my band to work and I want my band to get paid. And, I'm less impressed with points for, for, uh, creative, not creativeness, you know, finding obscurities, right. improving yourselves right on obscurities. Right. Um, you know, I think you can take existing great songs and put some in the middle of those and, and get the same 
yayas out of that, right? So stretch something out. Yeah, there's nothing, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I mean, it, so, it, yeah. It, yeah, the the reality is there's no universal answer to this, right? You, it, it's a formula, and it, and it comes down to. If you know you you defined the priorities for you, you want to you want to work and you want to get paid, right? And you want to do it fairly frequently. I mean, in the summer, you're playing, you know, an average of what ten gigs a month or something, right? right? So, so it's not unreasonable to assume that you're probably going to be playing some of those gigs to some of the same people. So it's, you know, what, how, what can I do to keep this fresh and interesting, but at the same time, really appeal to everyone. And, and like you said, that's picking the songs that everybody knows. No problem. Um, if your goal, is, I mean, but if your goal is to, you know, completely the other side of the spectrum, right? You're an original band. You want to get your music out there. And and you're just going to slog it out. Well, then what you're doing is you're going and you're picking, you know, you're putting together a show of your best originals and you just go play that anywhere you possibly can. Maybe you don't worry about getting paid. Uh, you know, you're just going and, and getting gigs, you know, that pay minimal amounts, but maybe are in the right locations and, and in different locations to just spread things out. And then you can sell some CDs and T-shirts and, and that sort of thing. Make your money there. And also, you know, begin to spread your name around in that in that sense. Um, it's a formula. It's a formula. Right. You just but but I think that's the key is you probably should have a formula as opposed to let's get I mean, and although maybe let's get together on Tuesday nights and drink some beer and play songs that we like. And then if we can go play those down at the local roadhouse on a Friday. I mean, I guess that's a formula too. It's there, there is, and, and like there's nothing my, wrong with that. Yeah, my goal, my goal is to get my band working a lot and to get it as much money as I can. Right, right, right. And you know, any arguments are like, well, you know, you're selling your soul, or you know, I like music. You know, music that makes people happy makes me happy, right? Yeah. So I've said this before. I have no problem playing Brown Eyed Girl if it gets you know 250 people off their butts and onto a dance floor. I that gives me a charge. So, uh, but there are many other songs that do that as well. And that's kind of my point is I'm making, I noticed that of this music series, how much overlap, like everybody plays uptown funk now, right? Yeah. Everybody plays Brown Eyed Girl. Everybody plays it for a reason that the audience doesn't care that they heard it the last week. They still like, you know, hearing that song over and over again. But I do think if there's 25, 30% overlap, that means there's, 70 to 75% opportunity. Yep. So we're, you know, what are you going to do with that opportunity? And I think that's where the kind of the creativity is, 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 you know, you can still find the songs that other bands don't do or don't do as well, or, or you can just add something to and, you know, get some creative benefit, you know, refreshment, you yeah. know, charge out of. And, uh, you know, so that, that's, I will, I will say this, I, and I am a hundred percent with you that playing Brown Eyed Girl or Sweet Home Alabama or Uptown Funk and having, you know, the dance floor full of people that are just happy and, and engaged and partying, that's awesome. One notch better, and it's a big notch, is when that exact same thing happens with a song that you wrote. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> it fair is enough. better. It, it's way harder. It requires a lot more work to get there. But yeah. 
it is it is worth it. So I'm, I, again, I'm not I'm not saying there's anything wrong with either one. I mean, it's just you know it's the the nature of that beast, but it is pretty cool. <laughs> so anyway, I, you know, to tie all this stuff together, my resources are I always look for live interpretations, both what the original artist does and how other people have, have interpreted that. If I was, you know, a four piece heavier band, seeing what the Foo Fighters did last weekend would really be interesting to me. Right. So, and then look for when bands take a horn section on tour to make something different and how do they rearrange their own material? How do you add, how do you add something that's unique to your band? So again, if your band has great singers, do you break something down and do a harmony only, you know, right. component of something, right? right. So That's right. Accent- yeah. accentuate strengths and, you know, accentuate your unique qualities. A good, a good compliment to me is when someone comes up and says, I love the way you guys did that song. So kind totally. of a, a recognition that you did something different to it. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and that it goes over. That's the stuff that really resonates with me. So, uh, you know, the, as long as your guitar is in your hand and, it's a good day. So I'm not going to say that, that playing something that is not a top 40 hit. That's a deep cut that some guy in my band wants to play doesn't have value, you, you know, but as I do as, think I, I'm, I'm, you know, to echo what I said before, I'm totally fine with that. As long as the band plays it well. Yeah. If it's, if it's a, you know, deep cut yeah. and the band is timid about it, like that. And that's often the worst part. If you're out there playing a tune that, you know, is likely unknown to, you know, potentially a hundred percent of the people in the room, but certainly 80%, man, you've got to own it. Like you, that's true of every song you play. You've got to own it. You can't, you know, take a song off. No, no. And you've got to really like deliver it with, with confidence, even if you don't have that confidence. Yeah. Uh, That's gotta be, to me, that's a mandatory part of the formula. Uh-huh. It, it's a huge part. And, you know, like when you take vocal lessons, at least when I did, um, they say that delivering delivering a song with confidence overcomes a lot of ills. It's not it's not acceptable to have those other ills. You still got to stay on tune to those types of things. But you'll get a long way towards the way there if you're faking it until you make it. It's true. You know, I used to go to South by Southwest a lot. And every the general formula there is, you know, they've, they've got six bands playing in every club every night. And every band gets 40 minutes on and then it's 20 minutes to change over to the next band. So everybody's 40 minutes. So I might go to see, you know, the first band and then the fourth band, but I'll, I'll suffer through the second and third bands, even if I've never heard of them. And even if I don't like their style of music, I learned that, you know, these are bands that came from all over the country, all over the world to do this one showcase, 40 minutes, and they know it. And they would hit that like bar none Bands would hit that stage so pumped that even if I hated every bit of, you know, musicality that kept came off the stage, I still would love the experience just because Mm. they were so confident and so excited. Like there's always something you can get out of it. And it's rare that I would actually hate every bit of music that a band played. But um, but it didn't have to just be about that. Like I could be totally engaged in a band I'd never heard of or certainly heard before. And uh and still be in it for 40 minutes. I, you know, would I stick around for four hours of that? Uh, you know, <laughs> maybe not, but that's the beauty of that formula. Yeah. yeah. Very true. Fun stuff, fun stuff. And there's always more. That's the beauty. That's the beauty. But I think that's going to have to be enough for today, Paul. 
that makes me sad. Well, do you want to do one more topic? I got a topic. I got one. Are you ready? Bring it. All right. Yeah. When you're on stage and somebody in the band, not you, and not to say that you don't make mistakes or I don't make mistakes, we all do. But what I want to talk about is how to react, if at all, when you notice that someone else in the band makes a mistake. Because it, it's it. There's an art to keeping your poker face on when you know somebody just you know floated a clam out there, and. Uh, I'm curious how you deal with that. Like when you hear somebody either, you know, jump to the chorus too soon, something that that's a not totally subtle mistake. You know, how do you, uh, how do you deal with that? Uh, so I, let me just ask you from where does this question come? Did you experience this and you were on one side or the other side of this problem? Um, no, it's something I think about a lot. Uh, because it, it happens all the time. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, I'm just, I'm just curious. I mean, I, I'm happy to talk about how I deal with it and, uh, but I'm just so, curious how you do. Yeah. All right. So here's the thing. There's different types of clams, right? Right. Right. The clam that causes mass panic and nobody knows where the song is going is one thing. Yeah. That's, that's not exactly what I'm talking. I'm talking about the one where if you like the best thing to do is ignore it. But how do you train yourself to do that? <laughs> I think is really the question. Well, it, and it's a great one. So, you know, I actually. If it's I think that the only thing that still gets my reaction is when we have specifically worked on something or I've specifically asked somebody, are you cool with this part? Yep. And they say yes, but they're not. That might get a stink eye from me. Maybe. Yeah. However. I think universally there's nothing, nothing good that comes from letting a guy know you heard his clam unless it's a smile. Right. Right. Well, that, yes, so, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. but if there's a, like a, if you roll your eyes or, you know, show any, you're going to mess with the guy's performance, you've accomplished nothing. You're not, you know, you're not, what are you getting by, you know, you're showing the guy up on stage. It, I, I actually think it's pretty uncool. And so, I, I would, yeah, I not, feel very strongly. It, it, yeah. Go ahead with this. And then I'll, I'll sort of add some clarity, but, but I think I'm with you on that. Uh, if you raise your eyes, shake your head, do anything to say, you know, this guy did not meet my expectations here. I think that's, I think that's just a bad teammate act. Right. Yeah. Again, if it's something that's so sublimely silly that you both can get a laugh out of it, then, you know, what, what I've heard people say is this, if I mess up, I know it. I don't need you to tell me. You know, right. you know, if I mess up twice in a row, you know, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing my homework and I'm not fixing my own stuff. And, you know, then, then it's probably open to, to some like, Hey, but why on stage? You know, why not do it? Like, dude, are you going to get that part down or not? Might be something off stage. What good happens from embarrassing a, a, a teammate or a bandmate on stage? Yeah, no, no good does. And and I think or certainly my and this is a good conversation, but my original thought was, how do you make sure you don't betray that to the crowd who's watching you? Right. Like it, it, there's that moment where you notice somebody makes a mistake and like the thing you want to do is just look at them, even if it's just to give them that smile. Right. There, There's. It drawing, but if everybody in the band turns to the guy that just made a mistake, even if that's all they do, it highlights it for anyone watching. 
And that's the hard part for me is not acknowledging it really not maintaining that poker face. Like, okay, uh, you know, there you go. That's, well, that's it. Dude, yep. you know, focus on the audience, you know, right. Remember that you're being looked at every second of every, every note, every, every hit. Right. It's so, yep. so, you know, if you have that in your mind, as you perform, you might make different choices. So if you remember that everything you do is possibly going to end up on YouTube is, you know, certainly there's, there's 20, 30, 50, hundred people watching you. Yep. You might make different choices with your, with your onstage persona and how you deal with a number of things, not just clams, but, no. you know, yeah. you know, how you stay in the moment and, uh, and, uh, you know, make sure that you're performing to that audience, you know, giving them a live music experience. I mean, it kind of connects all the way to there. It, t- it totally does. It's interesting. I've had this on, uh, on our, on my sort of back pocket topic list for probably six weeks. Right. But, uh, I guess it was last weekend. I'm trying to think I've played, played so much between then and now, but I think it was last weekend. I played a gig with, with Uptown Celebration and we wound up playing for the first time with this band ever, uh, including rehearsal. It was the first time we've ever done it together was on stage. We played, um, I love rock and roll. And the end of every one of those choruses, uh, drops a beat, right? It's a measure of three instead of a measure of four. And I know that. And I know there's one chorus that goes twice. And for some reason, as we're ending the first chorus, I'm thinking this is the one that goes twice. And so that it goes four beats and then we, and then we go around to it. It's not, uh, anybody listening knows it's, it's the last one. And so I, I, I started, I, I didn't drop the, the, I didn't play a measure of three. I played a measure of four and I immediately heard it, right. That, you know, the band had moved and to everyone's credit, nobody looked at anybody when it happened. Like I knew I heard it and immediately, you know, jumped ahead a beat and everything was fine. Uh-huh. But nobody even looked back at me, not even to make sure I was like on the same page. Uh, they just assumed I would get on the same page, which thankfully I did and wasn't lost. But um, but it was, you know, after having had it on the list here, it was like, oh, that's what a band's supposed to do is exactly is just plow forward. It's fine. It's just amateurish. I mean, I yeah, think exactly. You know, you- you, when you see beginning bands who are not even comfortable performing themselves, right? You know, guys have gotten back into playing. They're not comfortable being on stage. It's so easy to cast an aspersion at a bandmate, right? Yeah. And, uh, and you know, hope nobody hears your, you know, your goofs. Goofs happen. How you handle them is way more important than, than, uh, than the goof itself, totally. I would say. Yeah, I totally. mean. You know, if you're playing really intricate music that uh, I guess if you're not rehearsed enough to put it on stage, then, you know, shame on you guys for putting it on stage would be one way to look at it. Sure, but of course. in general, you know, a missed word, a forgotten verse, a, a you know, a drop beat, you know, you know, when you've made a clam and uh, and uh, you don't need anybody else telling you for it. And I think it's just a sense of good. It, it's a sense of good teammate teamwork to not bring it up. It's right. a sense of bad teamwork to do that. Literally you're showing a guy up on stage. If you react to his clam. Uh, no, that's the thing. Of course it's just, it, it's it for me anyway, it's human nature. When I hear something go wrong, I, I want to look not to show the person up, 
but I want to look just to make sure, okay, every like, is everything good? And really the best thing to do is use your ears. And can you hear, is it still okay? All right. Just stay where you are. Yeah. So I've got, I, I can relate to that. Yeah. Um, uh, if I, if a drummer has dropped a stick, for example, and all of a sudden I'm not hearing a snare, yeah, this, this will get my attention. Like what's going on back there is, you know, yeah. and I'll look, but never shake your head. No. Or, you know, give a stink eye, that type of thing. So right. again, I get the instinct to make sure, because what you're saying is what I originally said. When things go off the rails, you wonder how far are they going to go off the rails? And you and you start to like yes. mentally taking inventory. Like, what do I got to think about now? Yeah, what Am needs to happen? Back? Right. Yeah. But that's different. That's that's looking around and, you know, willfully kind of willing something back onto the tracks. That's a lot different than expressing dissatisfaction Correct. in someone's clam. Correct. Yeah. And I, this wasn't the, the my my initial thought for this topic wasn't. Uh, about dissatisfaction, although that's a very good, like I said, a very good thing to discuss. It was more about really you shouldn't even look initially like th there should, th you know, and I so now I've I've really tried to tried to train myself where when there's a problem, I wait a beat and then look so that it's not this instant clam that someone in the crowd might notice something happened and if they don't see the band like immediately jerking their heads around everything's fine and then there's just you know this casual look like everything good yep everything's good all right but you also Sweet. should have a game plan like who's the leader the leader's the one who should figure this stuff out right 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 so and that's another thing is what is your band's game plan for when yep. things go off the rails yep so a lot of times you are following the singer you know, is, is what Absolutely. most bands will do most of the time. So sure. if he goes to a chorus instead of a verse, you, you deal with that. Um, you know, but you know, most of the stuff that comes up is really, um, it's not, it's not song changing, you know, death and doom and death and doom and pending. Right. I mean, most of the stuff really does sort itself out within a bar or two. Right. It totally yeah, most of the time. Yeah. I remember seeing uh, a fish show once and they were in the middle of a composed section of a tune that was one of their earlier songs called Foam, uh, where it's, it's a I mean, it's it's a very, very intricately composed thing. No one is playing the same part. They're these sort of interleaved parts that, that they put together. It's just one of their, you know, sort of crazier things. And it got off the rails, which is bad. Yep. You know, they were there were at least two of them in two different spots uh, harmonically. And, I, you know, I'm like, I think this isn't right. And I see the bass player. He doesn't look at anyone. He doesn't do anything other than I see him turn up his volume knob and just like on the one of two measures in a row, he like really thumped the root of what what chord they should have been on. And that got the whole band back on track. And huh. I was like, oh, look at that. Like, yeah. that's a band that's A, trusts each other and B, listens to each other. And it did. It just like everything just settled right in when he did that. And, and then he, you know, and then he kind of rolled back. There was never any look, never anything. It was just, okay, yep. These things happen. This is a, like you said, really complex song. It's going to go off the rails every now and then. We'll get it back on track. Everybody's good. And I love I love moments like that. In fact, there's um, a Spin Doctors album. They they put out a live album early in their career called Homebelly Groove Live. 
and there's a there's a segue that happens on it and it's from uh, shinbone alley into refrigerator car and they've just got this jam section you can tell in listening to it that they just you know they would play shinbone alley it would get into a jam session and then the drummer would kind of lead them into a uh, refrigerator car and you can hear Colmus like they're playing and it, it, and and you it really you hear this on the second listen after you hear what happens to finally get them into it but he plays like a little fill and nobody joins him and so he plays a slightly longer fill and nobody joins him and then finally he plays four beats of nothing but 16th notes on the snare drum and everybody goes you know it was just one of those things like all right well we'll, we'll get this uh, It'll come around. Okay, that wasn't enough either. All right, I got an idea now. Everybody's going to look at me when I'm doing this. <laughs> so, but I love moments like that. Like when the band actually is is having that musical conversation. That's, uh, to me, that's great. And if it we takes played, a mistake for that. You and I played, um, what was that um, Dire Straits song that we opened the show with one time? Money for Nothing? And, yeah, and I couldn't I couldn't find the one on it, right? Right. And, and uh, I was just waiting, and then you heard, and you just did it again. Yeah, I think you had to do it three or four times before I finally found it. And uh, but that was unspoken. It was just, you know, two guys looking at each other. And I think you knew that I was trying to find it. And you're like, yep. OK, I'm going to give you the space to find it. And yeah. you just did it again. So that's that musical conversation. It's totally. That's, no, that's exactly. I had forgotten about that until just now. That's you're right, though. It, it was just one of those things like, oh, he didn't hear it this time. OK, well, we're not going to stop and talk about it. You know, we I, we can do this. I, you know, there's a trust factor there. We've done it before. We'll get through it. It's fine. Yeah. Yep. But, you know, I would say that's part of the fun of making live music is, you know, working through those things, you know, a little stressful. But if you trust your bandmate, I think that stuff comes a little bit more organically. But you're not going to trust your bandmate if he's the guy showing you up on stage. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And I've done it. I mean, I, I'm not proud of it, but I've had moments where, you know, somebody F something up and it's like, dude, it's like, oh, that's not, this isn't the right time. There's probably yeah. no right time. But even if there is one, this ain't it, you know. <laughs> we could take this conversation into, you know, bands have a vibe as to how much sloppiness they'll tolerate, right? Oh, every band has a different barometer for that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And how you deal with sloppiness. So like I said, I usually won't react unless it's something that I thought we had an agreement with that was already ironed out. That yeah. will probably get a reaction from me. But, um, you know, you got to remember, you also you also want to be good at your craft. And, you know, if someone else is not putting in the time to iron out their own stuff, if it's endemic a problem, that might get a different, you know, so I don't think Stink Eyes on stage has a place, but I think it definitely warrants a conversation once you get off stage. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yep. Yep. Yeah, All right, well, I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought that up. I am too. Oh, I, I knew it would be good once once we finally did it. <laughs> so there you go. I, I just like to keep stuff in the back pocket in case, you know, in case we're not. Uh, I wasn't really sick by yet. Right. That's yeah. fine. Totally. That's what the encore is for. Right. It's good. All right. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. It's been uh, it's been a fun one. Thanks for putting up with our little Skypey stuff in the beginning. And uh, we will see you next week giggabpodcast.com feedback at giggabpodcast.com if you want to email us we actually have some questions to get to too what is it that we like to say Paul always be performing there it is always hope you enjoyed the solar eclipse yeah it was fun